Hello and welcome to Pro-Life Activism from Creation to Death. This program is intended for all of you who want to create a culture of life in the United States. Every week we bring you updates on what's going on in, in the pro-life movement across the United States. And at times we bring you guests. And today we have a very special guest. I'm honored to have her on the program. Uh, but before we get to our guest, uh, I want to ask you all to say a Hail Mary with me to ask the Blessed Mother to shower God's graces on all those who are involved with or listening to this program today so that we will get the message that she wants each of us to get at this moment. And so if you would join me, please. Hail Mary, full of grace, the Lord is with thee. Blessed art thou among women, and blessed is the fruit of thy womb, Jesus. Holy Mary, Mother of God, pray for us sinners, now and at the hour of our death. Amen. Thank you so much for saying that prayer with me. It is always a good idea whenever you begin a new activity during the day to ask Mary to shower God's graces on what you are doing so that you will know it will turn out the way that she and our Lord want it to turn out. Okay, today we have a special guest talking about a special program, and you're going to be asked to vote. And so pay you know, please pay attention to to the way that, that you have to vote, but you can make a difference in voting on what we're going to talk about. So, But first, let me tell you who I have on the show. I have on the show Karen Garnett. Karen is the vice president of culture of Heroic Media. Now, just to give you a little background on Karen, uh, she served as the founding executive director of the Catholic Pro-Life Committee of North Texas in 1993 and held that position until 2015. And it was during that time that I first met Karen, um, mostly in the, in the 1990s down there in Dallas, Texas. And at the time, I was just absolutely impressed with her organization and with what they were doing and how much they were accomplishing. Not only was I impressed, but many, many other organizations and leaders of the pro-life movement were impressed. And under Karen's leadership, the uh, CPLC was heralded as the most effective diocesan-based pro-life organization, not just in the United States, but in the world. And as a result of all of the, the great things that they were doing, Karen has a lot of things that she got invited to, was part of. I'm just going to mention a couple of them just to give you an, an idea of the diversity. In 2008, she was invited by President George Bush to attend the arrival ceremony for po Pope Benedict XVI on the South Lawn of the White House. And then in 2011, she was invited to attend the Faith Foundation Rome Summit, which was a meeting of 25 to 30 international Catholic and Christian leaders in Rome. And then she also was asked to and delivered the eulogy at the funeral of Norma McCorvey, the Jane Roe of Roe v. Wade. So a lot of things that, that she's been involved in, and I'm believe me, I'm just skimming the surface here. Today, Karen is the primary spokesperson for Heroic Media, and today we're going to be talking about the National Prayer Luncheon for Life, an initiative of the Heroic Media. So with all of that being said, Karen, welcome to the show. Jim, thank you so much. It's so wonderful to be with you today. Well, it's absolutely great. You know, when you, you fight in the pro-life movement, you meet so many people along the way in so many places. And uh, it's just exciting to, to be back on the radio with you here 
this week talking about a very unique luncheon that that uh, Heroic Media is running and that you are in charge of. So would you tell us a little bit about this luncheon? Absolutely. Thank you so much. So I, as you shared in the introduction, I was with Catholic Pro-Life Committee here in Dallas up until 2015. And in 2016, the Lord called me to to go move and help a, a national pro-life organization, Heroic Media. Heroic Media was founded in 2004 in Austin, Texas, to use media to help save lives. And um, the in, in the early years, it was mass media like uh, television and, and billboards, things that were a little very expensive and hard to measure the results and the impact. And in the in the later um, later end of the first decade of of uh, this century. The company started to move more toward internet advertising, online internet advertising. So the company has a, a mission a system called OASIS. The acronym is OASIS, which stands for On Demand Alternatives to Abortion System. And we use very targeted, strategic online advertising to compete directly against going head to head against Planned Parenthood's abortion facility ads, Planned Parenthood's ads and abortion facilities ads because we live in the age of the Internet, and everybody's got their phone in their hand. And so girls and young ladies, young women who are abortion-determined, panicking that they are pregnant and they don't want to be pregnant, are immediately going to their phones and searching for information about abortion. So Heroic Media places competing ads directly countering Planned Parenthood's ads. And when, when the girl clicks on a Heroic Media-placed ad, then she has the opportunity as that first line of defense to be redirected away from Planned Parenthood or an abortion facility and connected instead to one of Heroic Media's partnering life-affirming pregnancy help centers. And then if she makes an appointment there and goes in and has the opportunity to hear about life, which she would not hear at Planned Parenthood, um, then then we're able to track every step of the way from the number of clicks to the number of uh, connections made to the um, pregnancy centers to the number of appointments made to the number of appointments kept and then to the, the, the chose life, the life decisions. So all of that is tracked and measurable. And that is where, that's where Heroic Media focuses its mission. It's very expensive to compete on Google because Google, you know, makes a lot of money. So you, it's actually paid per click. Even if she doesn't end up calling the number, she clicks. And so, um, our founder, Brian Follett, back in 20, at the end of 2015, had a vision that Heroic Media would start doing a luncheon a prayer luncheon, prayer and fundraising counter, directly counter to Planned Parenthood luncheon here in Dallas, held every year. And it was same day, same time, but different venue. So down the street from each other, kind of like dueling luncheons. And while they were down the street raising money to continue their Destroy Life agenda, we were gathering to pray and raise money for Heroic Media's life-affirming, life-saving mission. So the first year in 2016, there were 650 people who came. And then I joined the team in 2017, and one of my responsibilities was to help grow. And 2017, we doubled. We had 1,300, 1,350. It grew again in 2018. 2019 is when it, it, the Holy Spirit made it very clear to us that this wasn't just meant to be a Dallas event, but it was a national event. We were partnering with Abby Johnson and Ashley Bratcher and the producers of the movie Unplanned as our keynote guests that year. And... Um, so that luncheon grew, Jim, by 600 more people. We had 2,200 people at that one. And then last year, it grew by another 700, and we had nearly 3,000 people at last year's luncheon with Jason Jones. And it was the first time that we hit both goals of both outnumbering and outraising Planned Parenthood. So we had 3,000. They had 1,000. We raised 1.83 million. They raised 1.1. 1. 1. 
And the, and the pandemic was announced five days later. So we didn't know what was going to happen if we'd even be able to have um, a competing event again this year, an in-person event. And in the meantime, we have a new president and CEO at Heroic Media, Brett Atterbury, and he's been with the company for six years, but he really, he's the marketing brain and the corporate brain around our Oasis mission. And he said, you know, um, Planned Parenthood is not even doing theirs this spring. And I believe that God is putting it on us that this is supposed to no longer be a fundraising event for us, but it's a prayer event for the country. So we will do this much more as with a virtual focus rather than an in-person attendance. We have limited in-person, but virtual across the country and not only pray for an end to abortion, but let's bring awareness to and elevate amazing pro-life organizations that are that are demonstrating measurable, significant impact in the battle against Planned Parenthood and the abortion industry. And so we are actually giving at this year's luncheon, which is next Friday, we're giving the National Prayer Luncheon for Life Pro-Life Impact Award, and we're giving three grants, Pro-Life Impact Grants, one for $50,000 to the top vote-getting organization, the next one for 20000 and then the last one for 15000 and that's where the voting comes in. So wow. <laughs> this, this, yes, I know that's a lot there, but it gives you the history. But so to give you, give all the listeners the opportunity to participate, because we, we really want um, participation, not only just to come together to pray with us, with the amazing prayer leaders who will be coming to lead this, what we're calling Hour of Power, prayer-centric event, but to, to go ahead and vote, ask the Holy Spirit to lead you. We have nominated five outstanding organizations and you can, all the listeners can go. There's, there's one place to go. It is the website, nationalprayerluncheonforlife.org. You go on the website. At the top of the website, you have the opportunity, if you want to register for the event, um, register for the virtual. In, in person is, is ending tonight. If you, you want to, if you want to register for the, the virtual now, that's fine. But the deadline for voting is midnight tonight. So if you scroll down on the website, you will see the information about the five organizations that we have nominated. And they are, and then there were none, which is headed by Abby Johnson. And focus on the family. They have an option ultrasound program. They have helped 450,000 moms choose life after seeing ultrasound. We have Sidewalk Advocates for Life on location in 202, uh, 202 sites. With They've already helped over 12,000 uh, moms choose life outside the sidewalk. These are abortion determined. Students for Life of America amazing. They have now 1,240 chapters across the country compared to Planned Parenthood's 200. So they're outnumbering Planned Parenthood six to one. And then the fifth nominee is Susan B. Anthony List, who they're in the legislative public policy space. So those are the, those are the five. Click on the link to learn about them and to place your vote. And that's where you'll also be able to see the work that we have done in, in making these decisions to nominate these five this first year. Heroic Media also produces a magazine four times a year called Pro-Life Magazine, and where we, we profile pro-life organizations to help get the word out there of, of the number of amazing groups that are, that are working hard on this. And so people can look on the website and click and read our magazine articles that we did with each one of these five nominees. And then, the, and then you click the Vote Now button. You pray, you pick the one, the one you think, you know, that you want to get the, uh, the Pro-Life Impact Award, and the, the one who gets the most votes will get both the award and the $50,000 Pro-Life Impact Grant to continue their work. And then the second and third will get the 20000 and the 15000 
And what's exciting about this as well is is they will not be announced until the end of the luncheon. So they will be announced live and presented at the end of the hour next week, which is 12 to 1 Central Time. So everybody can join in on that with us as well, just for the uh, the inspiration and the excitement and the recognition that they will be given. The voting is, is on until t- uh, 12 o'clock tonight. Is that Central Time? Oh, you know, we're actually, it's a great question. We're actually going to need to leave it open to uh, 12 o'clock Pacific time because we don't okay. want to, we don't want to uh, cut off anybody on the West Coast who may be listening and, and, or, you know, hearing about this through, through different news stories that are running. So yes, there actually is a couple of bonus hours available if, uh, if anybody's up really, really late on, um, you know, East Coast or Central time. But yes, today oh is our God. last day of voting and, it's exciting because um, with this whole world of COVID that we're, we're all, we've all adjusted to, Jim, just the fact that we, we, are, we have swapped this event to what we've been used to being large in-person gatherings, they're just not happening. And But we've already had so, many, so much participation in the voting that we have more than doubled our participation in last year's event. So um, it's, a, it's a way, uh, this, this vision for the, the National Prayer Luncheon for Life, the new vision, is, is a way for us to unite the pro-life movement, you know, across the country that we can come together for this hour of prayer together and um, pray, unite, and save lives together in this, in this, through this initiative. And it's not just a one-time thing each year where it'll be a, a prayer, you know, a prayer luncheon every year. The vision with this is that we're, it's kind of similar to the National Day of Prayer, which happens the first Thursday of every May, and the National Prayer Breakfast, uh, the National Catholic Prayer Breakfast. Those are actually year-round initiatives. Uh, the National Day of Prayer and the National Prayer Breakfast, they have task force, task forces that help with the planning. And, and even the National Prayer Breakfast, I recently learned this, is um, they have a joint uh, joint congressional committee, that a task force that, that heads that up. And they have prayer meetings and Bible studies regularly in the House and in the Senate for people who are connected to the National Prayer Breakfast. So that's our vision with this as well, that the National uh, prayer luncheon for life will become a year-round initiative where we'll form a task force and come together for regular prayer for people who want to come together and pray for an end to abortion together but also to pray for organizations pray for them by name learn about them by name they, jim you know this you've been in this a long time and you are you are a giant in this but we we're coming up i mean this is we're 48 years fighting this and coming up on half a century of, of fighting um, legal abortion since roe and Gener- I mean, decades of younger people, decades younger people than we are or have been in as long as we have. There, it's like Roe is almost slipping away in their minds unless unless somebody brings it up. And there are a lot of people who just aren't even aware of the pro-life movement and what is it comprised of and who are the different organizations and what do they do and what are the differences. So that's one of the goals of, of, of our initiative, both through Pro-Life Magazine and through National Prayer Luncheon for Life to just help raise awareness so that we can we can move the ball down the field into the end zone for the ultimate win, which we're, we're all working so hard for. A few years ago, I was scheduled to give a talk at a particular church three weeks in a row. It was on a Tuesday night and three Tuesdays in a row. So on the first Tuesday, I kind of went into the background of, of abortion and Planned Parenthood, bringing abortion to the United States, et cetera. And then when I showed up the, the next Tuesday, I had this young man who I recognized as having been there the week before come up to me and he said, uh, Mr. Sedlak, he said, is this right? There was actually a time in the United States when abortion was illegal. That's what we're fighting, right? That's exactly. 
Yes. I mean, think about it. You know, we, I remember I was 10 years old when the road decision was handed down and I lived in Virginia and maybe, maybe it had to do with the proximity, you know, to DC, but thankfully our pastor at our, at our church, I mean, there was an immediate, there wasn't a day that I didn't know that it had happened. You know, it was an, there was an immediate response that I, I can still see him now. He, he was red in the face, pounded his fist on the, on the, on the podium, on the, you know, on the pulpit. And he just said, how could it be possible? How could this be possible that it could be legal to kill, kill little babies? And in our church, in our parish, I was 10, I can still remember, they, um, they had long lines asking all of the parishioners to sign petitions to Congress immediately for overturning, appealing on this. And our church handed out strong language, but it was immediate, abortion is murder, bumper stickers, and it went on the back of our family's white station wagon. So that was in 1973. It was, you know, I knew, but I, I've met people over the years. They were in high school. They were in college. Depending on where they live, never even heard, never heard that the case had come down. And yet here we are. I mean, we're talking people who just, you're right. This is the quote normal for them because 48 years of legalized abortion. Well, if it's legal, it does, isn't it right? Well, of course it isn't right. But, but um, yeah, we, we, we have to just, we have to just keep shining the spotlight on what's going on to continue to fight this evil because you know we know it is evil and and one other thing about this too um jim brett i mentioned brett our ceo he had a corporate you know marketing corporate background he he has a real powerful story i think it would be maybe wonderful if you could have him on on as a guest sometime to, to share but um he grew up not christian and when he was young he and his girlfriend made a decision to have an abortion and um, it, years later, he had a massive conversion experience and came, came to know the Lord and came into the Catholic Church in 2004. But it was still nine years later, he started getting a little involved in pro-life, went to a march for life in D.C., but he heard an ad for Rachel's Vineyard Retreat on the radio one day. And it just, it really, you know, touched his heart. He went inside and called the number and asked if men could attend. And he was told yes. Well, he went on that retreat. It was just a profound experience for him where, for the first time, he connected with his child and felt the forgiveness of the Lord and prayed before the Blessed Sacrament, God, if you want to use my corporate marketing business background to help the pro-life movement, the pro-life industry, if I can help even one couple not make the same mistake that my girlfriend and I made so long ago, please use me. And literally, within a few months of that prayer, our founder, Brian Follett, he was introduced to Brett and said, we've been praying about someone like you to come and run our online you know, business. Um, would you be willing to come? So he left corporate, came to pro-life, and he's been here full time ever since. Um, and, and, I, and, and he, from that business background, he has an MBA from the Wharton School in Pennsylvania. And again, just he comes from the business world. He's meeting and talking with business people all the time who aren't necessarily, they're pro-life, but they're not familiar with the movement. And, and uh, coming from a business background, they're asking him, well, well, you know, which organizations, what, what do they do and, and how do they, how do they measure and track their results? Because of the business minds that they're coming from. And that's exactly what, what he wants us to be doing here with this. There, there, we know that you and I know there are thousands of pro-life organizations across the country. When, when you think about local, state, national, all, I mean, there's 3000 pregnancy centers alone, but um, which ones are are, you know, really like they're, they're, they're um, following best practices and they're measuring and reporting their results. And when you can see the impact that they're making, you know, we want to rally around them and, and help them 
to, to make even greater impact. So, so that's, that's part of the vision for this as well, is to really, just, you know, to elevate one another, but get very, very serious about moving the ball further down the field faster, perhaps faster than we've been able to um, thus far. And you mentioned Rachel's Vineyard Ministries and, and uh, anybody who, who uh, is in need of healing to, to go to Rachel's Vineyard. While Teresa Burke, who runs Rachel's Vineyard, was writing her book, uh, American Life League actually took Rachel's Vineyard as part of our programs so that she could be freed up enough to write her book. And, you know, we helped cover expenses and stuff during that time. After her book was out and things were settled, they, they went off. But during that time, we learned an awful lot about Rachel's Vineyard, about the women that they help and the men that they help. And uh, so, yeah, he went to the right place. Yeah, it was, I mean, think of it, life-changing and um, just so wonderful. And, you know, uh, Jim, I, I know you had asked me to remind as people are coming and going during the show of, of what we're talking about and where to go to learn more information. Um, we we're talking about the National Prayer Luncheon for Life event that will take place next Friday. April 30th from 12 to 1 Central Time. It's an hour of power, prayer-centric event where we will be um, gathering from across the country virtually with a few hundred in person as well here in, in the DFW area to pray, unite, to save lives. And we are inviting everybody who's listening to go to nationalprayerluncheonforlife.org website and scroll down and, and participate with us today in the voting for the organizations who will receive the, the National Prayer Luncheon for Life Pro-Life Impact Award and three grants that we will be announcing, presenting live at the end of the luncheon program next Friday. And, um, and I did want to share, too, uh, Jim, that with, the, with the change of, of this uh, luncheon to be an, an hour of praying together, it's no longer, it's not a fundraiser in any way for about heroic media. It is, or with the typical, you know, typical program where you have a keynote speaker who talks, you know, gives a 30-minute talk. This is led by a number of prayer leaders. So we have speakers and prayer leaders, which people can see on the National Prayer Life.org website as well. Our wonderful friend, David B. Wright, is coming in from Virginia, and he'll be emceeing the event for us and introducing each of the, of the prayer leaders and speakers. So we have David B. Wright. We have Al- evangelist Alveda King, who everyone knows is the niece of Dr. Martin Luther King Jr., and she's also the executive director of Civil Rights for the Unborn, so Alvita will be speaking and leading us in prayer. We also have a bishop, my bishop, Edward Burns, here from the Diocese of Dallas. He's actually prayed at, at, at um, two prior of our luncheons here as well. He's so supportive and just, just such an incredible support for our work. He will be praying. We have Bridget Van Means, who is the president and vision leader from Thrive Nation out of St. Louis, Missouri. She's also on her media's board of directors. And Bridget is on, I mean, she, Bridget is fire. So um, the Holy Spirit is like every time Bridget opens her mouth, like the Holy Spirit is talking. So Bridget will be speaking and praying. And we also have Astrid Bennett Gutierrez, who is the president of the VITA Initiative coming in from Los Angeles. Astrid will be praying and speaking and praying. And I'll be saying a few words as well. So, so that is our speaker and prayer leaders to kind of take us through the hour. And then at the end of the hour is when the, uh, the, um, the award and the grants will be announced and presented. So we will have uh, representatives from each of the five nominated organizations who are with us, and they actually won't know. They won't know either. So it will be a surprise for them as well as to um, what the results will be. And, oh, this is another thing that's kind of exciting about this is this first year with all these changes, and they've been kind of rapid changes in a short amount of time, we made the decision about which, which organizations to nominate. 
because we had already done these in-depth interviews with them. But for next year and going forward, we want to open up the nominations to the whole, to the country, to the pro-life, pro-life America, submit information and the nomination about amazing pro-life organizations doing fantastic work. There may be a small organization, a local organization in a small town, just, you know, crushing it, but nobody knows because we're this big country. So um, next year we'll open up the nominations process that we will be able to learn about more organizations. And, and then of course we'll, you know, we'll vet and, and uh, come up with the slate of nominees, but we really want to make this an opportunity for people to come together and, and um, we need each other, you know, and this is a way to bring people together now, especially in this more virtual world that we're living in. And I think, you know, too, to, to lift each other up as we are kind of plodding through this new anti-life administration that's just come back in, it can be very discouraging to see the things that, um, you know, the Biden-Harris administration are already doing so rapidly to reverse the pro-life things that, that the Trump administration did. So this will be a way for people to come together and uh, with with some uh, you know fervent prayer and and some energy. So the National Prayer Luncheon for Life dot org. You can cast your vote there today. We're we're speaking with Karen Garnett, who is with Heroic Media, and she is in charge of running the National Prayer Luncheon for Life. We're talking about the ability to vote on your your one of five. Uh, pro-life organizations that they've identified. The five organizations are, and then there were none, Focus on the Family, Sidewalk Advocates for Life, Students for Life of America, and the Susan B. Anthony list. The one who gets the most votes is declared the the largest at Pro-Life Impact Award and gets $50,000. Second and third place get $20,000 and $15,000 appropriately. So it is really important that if you have you know these groups and have a favorite among these groups, now is the time to get on the website and to vote. And the voting is uh, going to continue until 12 o'clock Pacific time tonight. So you, you have plenty of time to get on there. You know, one of the things, Karen, and, and I'll just divert a little bit from what we're talking about, but you gave the eulogy at Norma McCorby's, uh, the row of Roe v. Wade at her funeral. And uh, what was that like? Oh, thanks, Jim, for asking about that. Um, you know, we, we never know what, what God has in mind for our, for our life stories, right? I mentioned earlier that I was 10 when the Roe v. Wade decision was, was handed down, and I lived in Roanoke, Virginia, you know, across the country. I, didn't, I knew that the, the decision had been handed down by the Supreme Court, but as a 10-year-old, I had no idea of its origins. And little did I know, I mean, that was 1973, <laughs> that six years later, I would move to Dallas, Texas. Uh, moved here in 1979, and the city where Roe began. And um, I, you know, I ended up meeting Norm. I got involved, of course, in pro life. I start first got started in 1989. After I'd had my first child, I was staying home full time, and, and I began volunteering with the local pro life organization. But um, our bishop started praying the rosary outside of the um, Fairmount Abortion Facility, the very first one in Texas. He started praying the rosary. January of 1990, I went. Um, that was my first time to go out on the sidewalk. And um, Operation Rescue was very uh, active here in Dallas. And in 1995, Operation Rescue moved in next door to the abortion facility where Norma was working. And, I mean, within not long at all, God had a plan for Norma. And uh, she came out of the abortion industry 
and gave her heart to Christ. We all met Norma, and in 1998, she came into the Catholic Church. Father Frank Pavone came in from Rome. He confirmed her. I was there with my children, and she and I, uh, we had a, we formed a very fast friendship. She actually, Norma, when I was having, I went to my first martyr life in D.C. with Norma in 2000. I was pregnant with my fifth child, and uh, in June of that year, Norma was one of the very first people to hold him after he was born. She was outside my my hospital room praying the rosary while I was in labor. So um, very beautiful friendship that we had over the years. She had moved away for a few years, um, but then she moved back in 2012. She moved back to Dallas. Her health was beginning to decline. And um, when it was time that uh, she was living actually with, with, a, with a, a woman here in the pro-life community who had a room in her home, so she had taken Norma in. She had COPD. And when her health was beginning to decline rapidly, she could no longer stay here. So she moved down to Katy to go into, under the care of her daughter. And um, yeah, her daughter called me. It was the week of Valentine's uh, in, in 17, 2017, to let me know that it looked like Norma wasn't going to pull through and asked if I, if I would like to come. I did. I drove down and I had the opportunity. I stayed in Norma's hospital room with her overnight, a couple of nights, and then I helped move her to the hospice and stayed overnight. The hus- you know, the first night that she was in the hospice. And um, I could just kind of represent the pro-life movement through those days of Norma journeying and getting ready to go, to go, you know, pass through the veil and meet the Lord. And it was very, it was holy ground. And I, I, I had, you know, I played spiritual music, constant divine mercy chaplets quietly at her bedside throughout those days. And then um, I, I came home and got the phone call two, two days later. It was the morning of uh, February 18th that she was getting close. And they, they actually asked if, if I had any music um, to send down, and I, I sent the same songs, you know, that I had been playing at her bedside, and including the Divine Mercy Chaplet, and they, her family, um, you know, laid the phone on her heart, and so even though I couldn't be there with her in person, just to know that she had the, those mercy songs playing on her heart as she was uh, preparing to take her last breath was very meaningful. So her daughter asked me if the funeral was a week later, and would I come and give, give the eulogy and to share about Norma, and Norma had a lot of health challenges, including the mental health challenges, emotional health challenges. So she'd had a she'd had a very tough life, and it was very hard for her to have been the row of Roe v. Wade. But she was absolutely, absolutely dedicated, dedicated to overturning that. And when the anniversary would roll around each year, she would get very sad. She would she would think that you know she was responsible, even though she knew she'd been forgiven. It was just really really hard to to shake a lot of that. So um, yes, just being able to to honor her and thank her for her, her humor, for her friendship, but also for her absolute dedication to overturning um, the case which bore her name. I was so honored to, to be able to speak about Norma at her funeral. I didn't know that whole story. I knew that you were involved in, and obviously that you, you gave the eulogy. Obviously, the, the pro-abortion people near the end of Norma's life were trying to um, picture her as somebody who said she was pro-life only for the money that she was going to get. But that's not the that's not the norma that you knew. No, and you know you're probably referring to to that documentary that came out last year, which was shocking to all of us. You know, we, because it, it did it did have norm it did show Norma saying things there at the end, very end of her life that um, made it seem that she you know was acting. And we I did a number of interviews when that documentary came out. Um, she was that's just not, that was not Norma. Norma was very, she was not faking it all those years. Uh, she, she loved being a part of the pro-life community. The pro-life community loved her. I mean, I even, I can read it to you. I can read it uh, for, for your, your listeners right now, the text that her daughter sent. Um, Father Frank uh, Prabone, of course, was also there and officiated at her funeral that her daughter had said, 
Uh, she would be pleased with all the people who love her and believed in her and her abilities to help in any area she could. And she lived for helping what she felt was her fault, the killings of so many babies. And she wanted so desperately to do what she had to to hold the line and keep that from happening any longer. She, her daughter is just so grateful, so grateful to the pro-life community. Now, this, was, was it perfect? Absolutely not. Did Norma, you know, have some, uh, you know, falling out, you know, fallings out with people over time? Yes. Norma could, you know, she's very up and down. She had a lot of volatility about her. She did feel, she did feel that some in the pro-life movement, I think she may have, you know, it was really actually, it was a very big surprise to me. I didn't know that she thought that she had been used at times by both sides. I learned that uh, in her hospital room, you know, the biographer came and said that she had shared with him that she felt used in some ways by both sides. And, and I said, gosh, I'm, I'm, there, I'm, you know, she never told me that. So one of the things that I did in her hospital room and her daughter and her granddaughter were there as she was, you know, getting close to dying. I just felt very inspired by the Holy Spirit to do this in representation of the movement. And I said, Norma, I want to ask for your forgiveness and apologize to you for any, any way you may have ever felt hurt by our movement. You know, I asked for your forgiveness for that so that there was, if there was anything there that needed to be reconciled, it just felt like the Holy Spirit wanted me to do that. So I did that at that time before, you know, before she had passed away. Again, it, God was just, the, God's presence in, in her room as she was journeying and getting ready. She actually, Jim, she... She, she, the journey, she was afraid to die, and she was kind of agitated, and she said, well, what about the babies? Where are the babies? Um, so like she was worried about the, the babies, and the, the last morning before I was leaving and, and, and saying goodbye to her, she, she, she sat up. She actually sat up. She was looking straight ahead. I could not see anything that she was looking at, and she said, do you see the babies? And she, she, she made her, she was able to like circle her arms as if she was embracing I couldn't see anything, but I've, I've been with other people who are getting close, you know, close to passing through the veil, and I believe that God begins to kind of pull it, pull back the curtain a little bit sometimes and let people see a little bit of where they're going. But it was just amazing. I mean, I'm getting chills thinking about it now. I'm recalling when, when uh, it was just very beautiful, and you could just feel the presence of the Lord. But for that documentary to come out three years later and just sort of throw water on, on Norma's life and story, um, I, 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 you know, they, they definitely had an agenda. Oh, absolutely. I mean, I, I didn't know Norma that well. I did meet her a few times, but uh, clearly what I saw in that documentary was, you know, people were, were edging her on and trying to make her make statements that, you know, they, they thought they could use or spin or whatever. So I, I just wanted, since you didn't know Norma so well, I just wanted to, to get that out in case any of my listeners are thinking of that, you know, documentary, so-called documentary you know, probably part of the fake news so that they, they understood that, no, that wasn't, that wasn't normal. You, you certainly have been involved in, in a tremendous part of the, of the pro-life movement, uh, not only in, in Texas, but, but around the, the country and, and even, uh, you know, with your trip to Rome and everything outside of the country. I think this is exciting. Uh, as you said, sometimes the changes we have to make during the pandemic uh, may actually wind up uh, better than the uh, uh, you know, what it was before because it allows more people to get involved and more people um, to just operate from their homes or from their hometown. So uh, it is exciting. And, and congratulations to you and to Heroic Media for all that you're doing in that aspect. Well, thank you, Jim. And, you know, I did forget to say one thing, and that is 
We, the new model, since it's not a fundraiser specifically for our mission, but it's it's global, it's for the movement, um, we are also uh, inviting, as we grow, as we grow this, um, we are inviting organizations to come on board as event sponsors. So, so I, I failed to mention we have we have presenting sponsors for the who are sponsoring the actual grants, and two of them are anonymous. Um, but the third one, who is sponsoring the fifteen thousand dollar grant, is an organization out of Florida called it's, it's called Support After Abortion, and their website is supportafterabortion.com. And and we network closely with them. Um, we they, we'd already been working with them on Heroic Media, but encourage people to check them out because not everybody fits in to, you know, there's a number of abortion healing programs out there, but, but it's not a one size fits all. And not everybody can make a retreat, you know, on a particular day or anything like that. So support after abortion is working with, with all of the different uh, abortion healing programs. And for example, if someone isn't Catholic and, and isn't, um, you know, kind of connecting to Rachel's vineyard because they're not Catholic support after abortion can, can connect them to one that might be better suited for them or in this world of, again, this world of COVID, they are connecting people virtually, running virtual groups and things like that. So they're they're connected and networking with Rachel's Vineyard and all of the other um, healing uh, healing programs. So I just wanted to give them a little plug and a thank you as well, and let let your listeners know about Support After Abortion being um, one of our our major sponsors of the National Pro Luncheon for Life. So yes, thank you, Jim, for this. Thank you too. Just thank you for all that you do, Jim, as the head of Stop Planned Parenthood and. The, the data that you send out, the reports that you send out, keeping all of us informed about what Planned Parenthood is doing, we, we're all in this together. We, I mean, they're Goliath when you think about it. They've been around, a, what, 100 and, 105 years now, um, and, and, and it's David and Goliath, but you, you are a warrior leading the fight against Planned Parenthood, and I just can't thank you enough for your decades of of um, fighting this battle and leading this battle through the work that you do, Jim. Thank you. Thank you so much. Thank you from the depths of my heart. And I would say that on behalf of everybody in the movement who is so grateful to you, Jim, for all that you do. Well, thank you, Karen. That was Karen Garnett, who uh, currently is uh, heading up uh, the National Prayer Luncheon for Life. Their website is nationalprayerluncheonforlife.org. You go on there now. You can vote and uh, pick the winner of the 50000 20000 or 15000 With that, we'll wrap up our program today by asking our Blessed Mother, Mother of God, spread the effect of grace of thy flame of love over all of humanity now and at the hour of our death. Amen. Thank you so much for listening.